Sports stories from the 419 in Northwest Ohio brought to you by A Voice You Know. It's time to go around the area and around the Hearn. Hello and welcome to Around the Hearn for this week as we close down the month of May next week. Amazing that we've already reached summer. It doesn't feel like summertime with all the cancellations and everything going on, but a ton of news this week from the local area. A lot of college signings, a lot of kids finishing up with their decision-making and a couple making the second decision in their college careers. Talk about that in a second, but big guests on this week. Jerry Snodgrass, the uh, executive director of the OHSA, stops by from a couple of days ago from a uh, press conference that he gave and uh, his thoughts on a handful of uh, things. I'm excited to have uh, Coach Abe Escamilla from Allen East, he'll talk about his team a little bit in the spring and what that would have been like, and mostly about the four-county All-Star game coming up on June 5th and the 6th at a location, TBD. And one of my all-time favorite people, uh, almost my neighbor, in John Zerby, the athletic director at Spencerville, puts on his coach's hat, talks about Spencerville's first football playoff win a couple of years ago at Crestview, and uh, we talk about that for a while, talk about kind of the shape of the world about the uh, students as well. But I said it's a big signing week, and I don't even know where to start. Congratulations to all these kids, and my uh, congrats to all the seniors as well, all the virtual graduations and the actual couple of graduations that are going on. I know OG is having theirs in the parking lot behind Titan Stadium by Robert J. Hermiller on top of a uh, flatbed semi-truck, kind of a neat way that they're – doing things and having it in the parking lot you make do with what you can do taylor paul and logan suchland both out of new bremen signed to play different sports taylor a terrific star Uh, she could just jump out of the gym so she'll go to indiana tech and try to do the same thing playing volleyball logan's going to go to trine university in indiana and play some baseball and a couple of her sales athletes transferring from their original colleges Haley McEldowney goes from Sinclair Community College back home to South Cable Road in Lima to play softball at UNOH. Noah Richard will come from Three Rivers Junior College in Missouri to play next door for the Racers. Van Lu Senior Emma Biller joins a big local group to play at Ohio Northern University next year. And Peyton Warnick will be one of her teammates at Ohio Northern University out of OG and uh, I love that. I want to get uh, the coaches from ONU on at some point and talk about kind of the shift from uh, the bigger state recruiting to local gems and hardworking kids that they'll have on that roster, hopefully coming up in the winter. Big day for Lima Senior. A couple of days ago, they had a big Zoom virtual signing ceremony. News out of that. Uh, you already knew a couple of them, but Jameer Simpson ends up going to Pikeville. Jadakus Mack will play at Alderson Brodus. Talked a couple weeks ago about Dante Wheeler. He'll go to Iowa Western Community College. That joining the news of a terrific team. That is Josiah Fulcher already headed to BGSU. A.J. Bullock, the guard for the girls' basketball team, signs with Edison State. A couple of baseball prodigies in Caleb Dugan and Ethan Jordan go to Ivy Tech Community College and Lords, respectively. And I love the thought of Devin Scott. Playing lacrosse, he'll go to ONU. India Benton will run track at IU East, and that's uh, an IU East program that has been busy in the area the last handful of years. They've got quite a few great uh, kids 
Shannon Allen was supposed to go to Urbana. That didn't work out. Jawan Anderson was supposed to join him. Uh, Jawan will have his college season coming up soon, but Shannon Allen said he's thrilled to go home and play in front of some family up north at Madonna University. And good luck to all those kids and everything that they do. A lot of things get canceled. The fireworks in Lima are getting canned. They uh, can those. Summerfest and Spencerville's moved back to September. I was looking forward to seeing some of the Great Lakes Summer League this year, but the Locos and the Mariners, that got canceled a couple of days ago. And still some things going on. I know uh, maybe some version of Acme or Legion Baseball. Try to see exactly what uh, that looks like. But I do know that coming back here in just a minute, we'll talk about all-star games and about baseball in early June, fingers crossed, with Coach Abe here on the show. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Leak Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Leak Kinsel team starters like all of our salespeople. Yeah? And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins, like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer could come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeakKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEAK-KINSEL. In the last handful of days, things have become a lot different in the state of Ohio with the ability to play sports and uh, maybe get sports started. Next month, the Ohio Veterans Four-County All-Star Game uh, maybe now easier to take place. Coach Abe, uh, good day for you with things coming from the government. Yeah, that's, you know, I said I received a text message from a, a good friend and let me know what the governor just said today. And I'm thinking, you know, it's, all I can think of is ham yelling, batter up, because that's the way, you know, the way to look at it now, and it should help with everybody else, Acme and all the other stuff that wanted to try and come back and at least get some baseball played this summer, and that's what the key thing is for this year is getting something played today or this year. Well, it's kind of interesting because last year you do the All-Star game, and it's packed in Ottawa, and this yeah. year – is kind of a different thing with social distancing and everything. It's got to be different for you as a baseball guy during the regular season in the spring in a normal year when you're in Allen East. You don't have to think of where can I put my kids, where can I put the people, where can I put this, put that. But it's obviously a much more involved endeavor to possibly get these games played next month. Yeah, and that's um, definitely something that we've been putting a lot of thought into. Um, as well, you know, just more of the fans than anything else. I think the kids, we would be okay. I think the umpires would be all right with them. Based out down the, the you know, the, the foul lines there against the fence, um, as long as they were attentive and stuff. And that's not the issue is the players. It's going to be the fans who come out to enjoy this game. Um, it's really the first sporting event that they've had all spring. So, I can, you know, I'm just hoping that they use common sense when they come out. <laughs> hope, hope being the key word there. Uh, yes. It's it's kind of different, too. Have you had kind of a discussion or maybe a hiccup in people you've talked to or coaches where they're worried about really having their kids go from zero to 60 in terms of 
you know, we haven't been out. We haven't been batting. We haven't been playing about what that would be like for them. Yeah, um, that was the one reason why we moved it back a week. I think it's nice because it was scheduled for May 30th, and we were going to move forward with that date. But the more we thought about it, I talked to like I said, a few coaches, friends of mine, and Ernstberger and a couple others from the area, and they all agree. We all agreed that it might be best to move it back to allow them up to two weeks to prepare and at least get throwing again and you know, and swinging a bat and seeing a fastball coming in at 80-plus mile an hour or however fast it comes in and allowing them that opportunity to not just go out there and jump in in cold turkey and take a chance to having an injury happen. How important was it for you to wait to make your decision? Because a lot of, whether it be Acme or the Legion you were talking about, they've made – it, rather, the state or local teams have made a handful of decisions. Well, we'll do this. No, we can't do that. We, you know, how it goes. But you just had to wait and kind of see how things play out. Yeah. Well, when I first started doing it, you know, thinking about it this year, I was like, well, you know, I was dead in the water to wash. You know, too bad we couldn't play our second season. But I never issued a, you know, I emailed all the coaches and said, if there's a possibility that we can play this game, we will. So, you know, I was waiting, hopeful and hoping that something would clear up. And obviously, last week we got the um, word from the governor that he was allowing baseball and softball and track and golf to play. So that kind of paid off to wait. And it's just, you know, originally my idea was to just have rosters of all the area seniors and honor them that way. But then when I got word from the governor that we were allowed to, he was going to open that back up. You know, it was game on and full force trying to get this thing to happen for these senior boys in the area who missed out on you know, a whole season. And that's just, which really just stung. How did you decide the, the differences in the roster for this year versus how you did it last year? Well, last year obviously was the first year. And what I did was I just drew up a map and, drew a line right down the center and it so happened that I had 14 teams on the bottom of the line and 14 teams on top of the line. So we went with that. Um, talking with a few coaches, um, Lincoln, you, Eric Fishball there, Coach Fishball had mentioned something to me about, hey, maybe we could change the format and make it a Northwest Conference PCL matchup. And so, you know, that got me thinking. I'm like, you know, that'd be great. That, that would be, you know, because a lot of the kids from the PCL, you know, we always enter inner games that way and we play against each other but doesn't mean anything and it would we're all in the vicinity, the same vicinity here. So I thought, you know, that'd be cool. And then with obviously with what was left, I just thought, well, there's eight BBC teams and there's eight teams from the other schools left. I'll just make two games and they can go at it and we'll go from there and see how that works out. And if it works out to where we're hoping it'll continue to happen every year. So well, it's kind of a different thing, too, because the way you look at it, you have on June 5th, the BBC against the All-Star team. You're talking about NWCC, MAC, WBL, and LCC. The next day with that PCL-NWC matchup, I would love to see the idea you talk about in the paper about there being enough kids to pull off a doubleheader each night. I think that would be a really neat kind of way for people to come and get back to baseball. Yeah, and you know that was the idea behind splitting those games up like that was that we wouldn't have the, the 28 towns all on the same day there. You know, we can split it up and 
have 16 and 16. Obviously, this year we added the, the remainder of the Northwest Conference teams, which is Crestview, Lakeview, and Paulding. And so that, you know, that added to the totals of schools. And that was the idea. And it would be great. I would love to have two games each night if we can um, have the numbers. And I also, I'm doing it because I want them to have the opportunity to get enough playing time in. But in the long run, it would just be great for people to come out and sit and watch some baseball. Thankfully, the uh, conference realignment with Paulding and Lipsick in the last handful of weeks hasn't dampered anything yeah. for you. No, and that's somebody else asked me today, you know, hey, are you including Paulding? I was like, you know, yes, currently they're still a member of the Northwest Conference and they're the reigning Northwest Conference champ. So um, why wouldn't I include them? You know, once they're off into the you know, Green Meadows Conference, I think that's where they're heading, um, then that would be a different story then. But, you know, for now they are part of the Northwest Conference and obviously Lipstick still in the PCL, so that helps out. Kind of a, a, a different look at it, too, just the way that everything is set up. I mean, it just I go back and I think, man, he's got so much to think about. Just the, the kids in the dugout, the kids in the bullpen, and, and having enough pitchers. You're lucky, though, at least with the PCL roster that I saw, that there are so many kids on there that do so many different things. Yeah, and that's the great thing about, you know, Obviously, I know the PCL pretty well. I, my son grew up pitching against all these kids. Or, and so I, I've known these kids since they were eight, nine years old. Um, and watching them throughout their pretty much their whole high school careers, it's just been you know great to watch. And they, like you said, they do a lot of different things. Collider's got a lot of kids who can play a lot of multiple positions. Um, and they've got some arms over there. I think I saw there, there's at least three arms on that team. There's three arms. You know, Continental's got an arm in Brady Dockery. So, you know, the pitching wasn't a big thing for me because I thought, you know, that Max, they're only throwing one inning a game or, you know, one inning in this all-star game. And I think there's plenty of pitching to go around and help out. And so that's not something I was really worried about because I knew how diverse the Putnam County League was. And, you know, same way with the Northwest Conference. There's a lot of arms in that conference. And, I'm not, you know, too worried about the pitching part of it. And if a kid comes up and says, hey, coach, I don't want to pitch, I'm fine with that. So just come play. That's all I want. Just come enjoy your, your the senior year and what's left of it and play in this all-star game is all I want from them. It's kind of crazy the way that things work out details-wise. Two of the new coaches in the PCL in, at PG and Kaleida, they are going to be well-represented in this game, but – they didn't even get to coach those kids as seniors. That's that's a weird anomaly. Yeah, that's and you know when I saw that he had nine seniors over at Pandora, I was like, wow, I don't think they've ever had nine seniors. I you was know, trying I, to think I, of that too. I played baseball for them back in the nineties, and you know, at most we you know we only ever had five seniors, six seniors tops. You know, and to have nine seniors, that was something. You know, you know, congrats to him because he's doing something over there that's changing that along with Greg Ledecky who left and, you know, they were both working hard to get that program, trying to get that program to where it needs to be. And, you know, and then obviously, you know, Ernstberg over in Kaleida was, he's given, he came into a nice squad there, you know, remaining you know, a lot of seniors coming back and 
a lot of kids who can play who have been playing for a long, long time. So he had a very good team over there. And just a shame that he didn't get a chance to, you know, play the season with it. So if everything goes as planned, tell the folks the details on it, on this game and how they can find out more information. Currently we, I do have a Facebook page running, um, as the four County all-star game. I think it's four County all-star game on Facebook for now. Um, I do plan on, obviously there's some information out on the paper came out today in the Lima news. Um, and pretty much it's the dates, tentative dates are scheduled for June 5th and June 6th, uh, 5 PM. If we have a double header, 7 PM, if not, um, the, the location is to be determined. Um, it's not Pandora. I've got, no. <laughs> not yeah. after today, anyway, it's not. We're gonna have a swim team going over there. There's a moat. swim meet, but yeah. Um, but you know, it will. I can't say it. it should be somewhere in between Lima and North Cities. You know, and so it we'll find somewhere to play this game if it comes down to it. Um, you know, there's some nice facilities all the way up and down I-65 that we could play at. So uh, and but I'm hoping to have that announcement by the middle of next week for um, the location for sure. And so. I know I know this because I'm involved in this. Uh, one thing that happens is you'll have to set up a table somewhere, wherever that is, so that uh, I know that game's going to be broadcast as well. Yes, yes, the game it will be broadcast live on, um, I think it's either WZOQ or Z Sports 3, which is our, our, in our WZOQ. PCL All Stars and our Z Sports Three All Stars. Um, what I'm calling the Z Sports Live All Stars are the what's left of the Northwest Conf and Northwest Central Conference MAC and WBL, along with um, the WZOQ BBC All Stars. So that is something that we have going on, and it'll be aired live on one of those stations, and that, that'll be a Maybe great thing to do. Them. Yeah, all three of them, right? We can find enough broadcasters to do that in. Well, we can, you know, put one feet on all. But, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Competing broadcast. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get plenty of people who want to come out and broadcast right, that game. Right, I'm sure. Uh, uh, some will just show I, up with their phones. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, we're hoping for a good turnout. And with the word that the governor gave us today, it should be even better for us and for baseball altogether. So awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck and I hope that it goes very well and that it doesn't rain. Yeah, me too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's Coach Dave talking about the four County all-star game coming up June 5th and 6th. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Lee Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Lee Kinsel team starters like all of our salespeople. Yeah. And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins, like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. A little bit differently than I had planned to talk to Jerry Snodgrass this week, but he's a very busy man. And he's got uh, a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak. I did, however, uh, get to sit in on a press conference that he gave a couple of days ago 
about a lot of the same things that I was uh, planning on talking to him about. I'll, I'll tell you the question, and you'll hear Jerry's answer here for a handful of things. He's asked about a lot of the things that people want to know about and about football in the fall and about the new playoff expansion, things you'll hear about him uh, talking about here. But I thought this one was kind of interesting. Just a couple of days from now, the 26th, the governor talked about the no-contact order, and Jerry explains about how that order is going to be valid as far as the OHSAA goes. It is valid, and I think one of the biggest challenges that it's been difficult for us to communicate, and I say difficult for us to communicate because in, within the boundaries of the state of Ohio, we have roughly 350,000 student-athletes that we serve. We have roughly 65,000 board-approved coaches that we serve. And then you throw in the fans, the parents. Getting that out, it's tough for me to email every one of them. It's tough for Tim Street to, to communicate. You know, we rely on all these different methods to communicate. So communicating has been extremely challenging. I will say from that that the orders that we have had to follow are based upon the governor and the state director of health, Ohio, the Ohio Department of Health. We have no authority at all to overrule them. And for every parent that wanted us to have softball prior to now, or foot, or excuse me, or baseball, the MLB didn't have baseball. You know, all these things. So the practicality of us having it was slim and none. But given the governor's orders for the 26th to reopen and reopen again safely, at this point, our school sports are over. That's what a lot of people maybe are misunderstanding. We're done with our spring sports. We're done with school sports for the 1920 calendar year. Everything that goes on from this point is a non-school function, even though somebody might say Pickerington is playing Reynoldsburg. They're not. It's the name they, nobody's trademarked that name. So given the governor's orders of the 26th, our job has been to provide guidance to those sports that have been permitted and now move on from there and give that guidance and do it safely. So I'm very confident that we will stick to that. I, again, think that we have to be very cautious, and that's what our guidance to our schools is providing. As he continued on, he was asked about if football would return in the fall and if they had considered moving the football season into the spring. You know, that is a, that is a question that is just burning for everyone. Uh, so I want to preface it by saying no one wants it back more than we do. High school football on Friday nights, and it's not just football. Soccer has grown in popular. It's one of the few sports that continues to grow uh, in attendance and, and participation. But um, nobody wants it back more than we do. Friday night football for communities brings people together. The people want it back. So how confident are we or am I? I would tell you the next couple of weeks are really going to answer that for me. Because I think personally, and it's an opinion, but what happens in the next couple of weeks as we reopen Ohio responsibly, and I stress that responsibly, is really going to determine what happens in the fall. And while people say that we are at a lower risk with our students or the age group, well, our officials, everybody else, the fans, the uh, auxiliary people, 
they're part of this too. So it's not just the age group, but, but again, I just stress the, it's going to depend on the next couple of weeks and I'm an eternal optimist. And I do believe if you were to ask me right now, I do believe that we will go forward in a normal routine with football with some safeguards, but with attendance and so on and so forth. That's the eternal optimist to me, but I have to stress that we're prepared if we can't. It's interesting because for high school football, from the first scrimmage to the last regular season game, the revenue from those ticket sales is all a a function uh, and received by the member schools. So it's not that this organization, I would say we don't receive a dime from any regular season contest or scrimmage. Um, But the important aspect of that is that that could be a huge drain on schools because it does fund the bulk of their athletic departments. And without that revenue, and also I'm sure cutbacks coming to the schools themselves next year through the state budget, not our budget, but the state of Ohio's budget could be very, very challenging. Many people uh, see a school bus on the road, four band buses and four school buses with football players on it going to an away game and think that that's just free. Somebody has to pay that. And through the years, and I speak to this as a former athletic director, there was a day when the school's general budget paid that. And school general budgets started getting tighter. They saw that athletic departments made money on their own through ticket sales. And I think we'll have the athletic departments pay their share of that. Most athletic departments today do. Without that revenue, you're talking a huge, I mean, if there are no fans in the stands, it's a huge revenue loss, a huge concern for schools themselves. So moving to the spring, there was a proposal out there to switch spring sports to fall sports. That's what really got some traction. We did not put that out there, but it was out there and it's been discussed. And my original comment to that is, if we were to move spring sports into the fall, I'll say baseball, softball, for example, tennis, lacrosse, track and field, we move those to the fall. Well, why would we do that? We would do it because we want football and that to move to the spring so it can be played, right? We would, so what you're saying or what somebody's saying is then we're anticipating the fall sports being canceled then. That's the only reason we would do it. If we're gonna move those sports into the fall with the idea they're gonna get canceled, We've already canceled spring sports once this year, this past spring, this spring. Why would we do that to cancel them again? I can't do that to the kids. The problem with having just football move to the spring in high school, which is different than college and anything else, is we have so many multiple sport athletes. So now all of a sudden we've got some dynamics to work with. You know, I'm not saying they can't be, but at the same time, that's a huge dynamic to work. And my third answer to that, the third part of that, is we have several leagues around the state, one of them being the OVAC, the Ohio Valley Athletic Conference, that sits over on the West Virginia border, Wheeling area, St. Clairsville. Those schools, and it's a very big conference, those schools are in a conference with schools from another state. So unless they move, that becomes a big problematic issue. Conneaut, up in the northeast corner of the state, is in a league, and every member of the league except Conneaut is in Pennsylvania. So unless these other states would move too, 
And in a short frame of time, it's difficult. Continuing on, the question someone asked him about who decides when the fields and the facilities open? That has been one of the more confusing things because the um, School Closure Act required buildings to be closed. I didn't issue that, you know, obviously. Um, I don't have that power to do that. I believe that was signed by Dr. Acton. I think she has the authority to do that. I can't remember the date at which that was signed, but the School Closure Act did just that. It closed schools. So for us to say that, okay, coach, you can go into the gym and start doing things, we have zero authority to do that until that act, school closure act, would be amended. I think, again, a lot of people, again, I go with the volume of people that we deal with, didn't quite understand that. You know, I can step in and say, okay, uh, you know, Gehanna uh, Lincoln, your school is now open. Uh, at least your gym is. I have no authority to do that. Do I see that being amended? I'm hopeful we do. And that could happen any day. That could happen any hour. But that's in our communication with them. So where the confusion became was in outdoor facilities. And that that is under the direction of the Department of Health. And the Department of Health has actually turned that over onto the local departments of health. I think, forget how many there are in the state of Ohio, local departments of health. But so in any community, the local Department of Health will determine whether that baseball field or softball field can be opened. Where that becomes very confusing, so confusing, is so many of those facilities are school-owned, obviously school facilities, but youth, travel, club, all these things in the summer, use them. So that's a conversation that we have had with the governor's office literally in the last 48 hours about how confusing that is and how that could be helped if schools had their local authority instead of the Department of Health. And I know that sounds confusing, but you're talking about me trying to convince the governor and the lieutenant governor on that. And I will tell you, they're listening. They've listened very well. We've had some very good dialogue on that. Biggest takeaway that Jerry talked about this week is the thing that most people wanted to know most about. This week, the OHSAA decided, along with the Coaches Association, to expand the playoffs, and Jerry gave his thoughts on that. Yes, you know, it's an interesting concept because, again, with all the people that we serve and our fans, which, by the way, are our customers, they buy the tickets, 82% of our revenue coming from ticket sales. So... Um, many people, I, I really do believe, um, have this feeling that I or our staff members, even our football administrator, sits behind a desk and says, okay, tomorrow I'm going to propose this, uh, so on and so forth. It does not work that way. Um, our, we are governed by our schools. Our member schools are who I and our staff work for. We also, although we have very, very intelligent staff members that think ahead and propose things, we also provide organized 503C uh, nonprofit coaches associations to present recommendations to our board of directors. And I have instituted that just in the last two years. I think that's only fair. We used to do it years ago. And because I just think they should have a say the tough challenge for a board of director who's elected from our member schools is to take that information or that recommendation 
determine whether it's good or bad using staff input and move on and approve or say no. Our coach at Football Coaches Association back in, I believe it was January, made a proposal to expand our football playoffs. That proposal was made to our board of directors and our board of directors asked our football administrator, Bo Rugg, to weigh in on that. Obviously, he did all his research, did the research on cost analysis of it, uh, officials availability, everything of the sort, and provided that input to the board. And our board yesterday then approved that. And they approved it. Um, A lot of misleading things out there, but they approved it to increase the opportunities for teams to get into the football playoffs. Ironically, football right now is the only sport in the OHSAA that does not permit all of its teams into the postseason tournament. And, you know, you can look at it either way. Some sports say we shouldn't let everybody in in these other tournaments, or many say, too, we ought to let everybody in in football. So the the decision, I'm sure I'm speaking for our board on this, but our decision primarily was rooted in giving more opportunities to kids at the member schools. Hopefully enjoyed kind of a look into Jerry's brain from that press conference. I have him on at some point kind of to give more of an in-depth look, but it's interesting to see what happens going forward. Are you in Spencerville and looking for a place to eat before the Bearcats play? Well then, head to my place, 128 North Broadway, for deep-fried mushrooms, chili cheese fries, the best pie around, and soup of the day. If you're in a hurry and just want to order some to go, you can give Doug and his staff a call at 419-647-4062 and they'll have it ready for you. My Place Restaurant at 128 North Broadway in Spencerville, a proud supporter of Bearcat Athletics. Doing this interview is probably the closest that it'll ever be that I have a phone call as uh, talking to John Zerby now, and he just happens to be right down the street. But social distancing and all, you know, it's probably the simplest way to do this. I uh, I think I can hear you from my backyard, actually. Well, between the, the hammering of the houses they're building and me, that's probably almost true. <laughs> it sounds the same, actually. <laughs> hmm. uh, that's what my wife says, but... I'll just move on from that, you know, and it's funny because I tell people all the time, you're one of my favorite people, but I might have to rescind that. <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. Just, just messing with you. But it is, uh, it, it's, it's odd because it's kind of a not busy, busy time for you. I would imagine with everything going on, you know, um, it's not. And, uh, I know that even though I've been in the building and at work, some, um, and I just was, you know, telling some people that some coworkers that I really, besides answering some emails and probably like most people checking social media to see if there's updates or, you know, waiting, waiting around to see if there's some direction, you know, my job's kind of come at a standstill. Um, I know that, you know, ADs, they, they, during this time, they've had some opportunities to do some inventory and maybe look at their finances and, try to finish scheduling, but I had a, an official not too long ago tell me, Hey, I don't know where I'm going to be in three years. So quit sending me requests, you know, that far away. And I thought, I, you know, it is, we're just kind of, you know, we're just, we're just chomping at the bit to do something. So it's the first time in a while that, you know, everything's kind of stopped. And it's very odd for you because you're a very, very on the go type person. Well, I admire you know, and just, I hate that about you. <laughs> I, 
you know, my wife has me remodeling, so I've you know, had to do a lot of that. And I'm not good at that whatsoever. So that's been a struggle. So yes, the part of me that likes to go needs to get back to work. But I mean, at the same time, I think it's been kind of a, you know, a breath of fresh air to be home with the family and be home with the kids and, you know, being able to have some of that family time. I mean, it's, it's valuable. Um, and it was good. Um, I just think that at this point, some normalcy would be, would be very, very good at this point. I don't know that you're going to remember what that is before this. Is all it doesn't over. look like it. it doesn't look like it. I mean, it's, you know, um, when I start to think about what it could look like, it becomes very cloudy and confusing. So I, I don't, I think you're right. Well, and it's, it's so different. There's a lot and rightly so being made about seniors right now and about graduation. And I know, uh, Spencerville, like a lot of other schools, is kind of doing the, the virtual graduation, uh, but you still have a lot of moving pieces with that. Yeah, and you know, the crazy thing is that, you know, I wasn't necessarily a part of the, the scheduling of graduation, but, you know, I know that there were, there were probably frustrations from people wondering what was, you know, what we were going to do. And, and I think we've had plans all along that involved, you know, in person virtual drive through we've had all these plans but at the end of the day the the government kind of dictates what you, what you're allowed to do and you know what you can do so um it's looked different i know yesterday was the first day of our graduation we'll do tomorrow we'll do another day of it and uh, i did help with that quite a bit and um, i i do i will say that our, our seniors were really grateful the parents were great um, you know, it was the best that we can, we can do right now. We wish we could do more. We wish we could celebrate them and the ways that they deserved. But I think, I think, you know, people have done a good job of, um, at least trying to recognize them in different ways this year and make it as special as we possibly can. And you talked about kind of checking social media, refreshing it like we all do to see what's next. I saw a, a conference with Jerry Snodgrass this morning and he talked about, how he he makes all these plans and it was, it was at 11 o'clock in the morning and he said you know here's what we as the OHSA think about this but it's not two o'clock yet so we're yeah. kind of at the the mercy or the behest of what happens in Columbus you know and Jerry's been really awesome to work for and with because I think he just he does such a great job of communicating and I think that's 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 just a part of it is that you just know where they are with things. And, um, he's exactly right. I mean, as a school, we can plan a lot of things for this summer. I mean, I had asked our coaches, I said, have a plan to start June 1st, have a plan to start July 1st, have a plan to start August 1st and have a plan to start September 1st, because inevitably someone's going to tell us what we are and what we're are not allowed to do. And, um, I know the OHSAA is, been proactive, but they're kind of tied to what the government's decisions are as well. So we're all in this kind of holding pattern of, um, you know, doing work and planning things and getting plans ready and then redoing all of them. So, um, like I said before, you know, I think we're all ready for some normalcy. Um, not that I'm advocating for it right away, but we're, we're just ready for it. Well, how much with, there's a lot of talk about moving sports or how that would work. And Jerry kind of put a kibosh on, you know, we're not going to move things just for the sake of moving them and have to cancel them again. But the, the order of 
all right, the schools are closed, the school facilities are closed, what that sort of does to summer ball or, you know, anything going forward, was it properly explained to maybe school administrators or ADs about how, what that means for your baseball field or for anything outside of the school building itself? Honestly, no. And that's the, the part that, you know, is, is really, um, there's just so much gray area. And, um, initially when we got the orders, um, it was pretty clear that school campuses are closed down. Um, I went back and reread through everything and, you know, as a school, we, we've, we take that stuff seriously. So we, we've closed everything down through June 30th. Um, but then I know a few weeks ago, uh, Lieutenant Governor Houston had come out and said, well, we didn't, weren't talking about ball fields and, you know, outside places. And that was, I mean, I did not getting political by any means, but it was just contradicting to what we had heard and had been told. So, you know, now that changes things once again, but it also comes with a strict, uh, amount of, um, uh, legalities when, you are going to have events on those fields, you know, as far as, you know, how, what, what the protocol is and how they're supposed to, um, you know, how they're supposed to, to do these things and, and still do it in a safe way. So I just think, you know, I know that I'm in touch with um, a lot of the ADs in our league on a daily basis. Um, we're all pretty, pretty close, but we've all had to really talk to each other and lean on each other because we want to make sure we're doing the right things. Um, we just don't know what is really the, the, the thing to do right now. What is the, you know, what is the right thing to do? And we want our kids out. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, as a, even a dad, I'm, I'm just yelling at my kids. That, hey, go outside, you know, get out there. Like, you know, get, get out of the house. I mean, I know parents are like that. And, I got projects and, to do. Um, get out of the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but even like, even educators, I mean, we want our kids to go out and, and, and be active and, and, and to do the things they enjoy. So it's not that we're trying to hold them back. It's just that, um, you know, when you have these regulations that you have to follow, now the coach has become liable for following those regulations, if that makes sense. And, and let's say that, you know, you, you have a, a practice, a baseball practice. So one of the things right now is, you know, no water. Kids bring their own water. Well, what happens when a kid doesn't bring his own water? Because that will happen you know, like now the coaches are responsible for enforcing these regulations. And that's just the part that's really confusing for all of us. And how do we handle this and, you know, keep people safe at the same time. And especially considering the fact that it's ever changing, you know, today on Thursday, it's yes. X tomorrow. It's Y or Z. Yes. Like that. Um, I know that they put out that May 26th date and that was like, that was like a shock to all of us. We had no idea that was coming in our minds, June 30th. And we also expected not everything to be open, you know, after June 30th, we kind of expected a slow, you know, rollout. Um, you know, the other thing too, was that it was limited to only certain sports, you know? And, uh, I think the odd thing, and I'm just, you know, I could, I don't mind speaking candidly to you is that I just, for me, you know, baseball, softball, although they have a summer season, the, the Acme and the Pony League isn't always attached to the school, but they said track and field as well. Well, their seasons have been canceled. So again, it's that it's that question of well, what are you know? Does that mean that our school teams allowed to go out there and practice? Does that mean just 
Acme? Does that mean Pony? That's already been canceled. No one really knows what any of it means. So we just are kind of stuck saying, hey, I know you have uh, lots of questions and we have no answers to give you. And <laughs> that's that's the hard part about it. Right. I'm not withholding it. I really I really want to tell you. I just can't. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and it's it's like I heard Jerry say again this morning. He talked about he was asked that same question. You know, people said, "Well, the governor said baseball, softball, whatever, non-contact." They say, "You know what's funny is everybody calls me and says, well, football is is low tier. They're not contact.'" And he's like, "I just laugh, but it's yeah. it's different with those sports." And he said, "You know, we have to look at a realization of come May twenty sixth, we're already done with the spring. We can't have a yep. conversation." about that that 1920 spring season it's gone and yeah. we're not big fans of being able to move you know everybody wants to flip for some reason fall and spring as if they don't understand how the weather works in Ohio I mean yeah. it's going to storm for 7 days next week yeah that, that just seems like a logistical nightmare yeah i mean i i read had read some of those things too and i think i understand what kind of the theology behind it was, was to, you know, maybe get those, those seasons in. But I think inevitably at the end of the day, you just, there's going to be some kind of loss. I mean, there's going to be seasons lost. I mean, we'll never get back state basketball tournaments and state wrestling. And we'll, we'll, we will never get those back. You know, even though we may try to flip a season, you're still, you're still going to miss out on, you know, some, something. And I think, like you said, it's, it is, it's, not good to just flip the seasons although weather-wise yes you could maybe justify it in some ways in other ways it's not good you know um i don't think that you want um could baseball and softball possibly play in the fall yeah absolutely could track uh you know participate in the fall yeah absolutely until you get into november i'm not sure you want to run a track me outside you know, 30 degrees and blowing wind. I'm not sure that's the greatest idea in the world. I don't um, think you want to play baseball like you said, in Akron the first weekend in December. <laughs> no. Well, let's think about football or soccer. I mean, like you said, I mean, if we have, you've seen the amount of rain we've had here in, in our town just in the last few days now, you know, go try to play or even practice on your field. And in football, you lose a field, um, you know, you, it's gone for most of the season. It's incredibly tough to get it back. So I just think there are some some things there that sound good or sound like a great idea, but when you start digging deeper and start to move the parts, it doesn't look as good as, as what it may sound. Well, the good news for you guys is you have that beautiful new turf field. And uh, I, if it's like one of the pictures I saw this morning, it can be flooded all around, but maybe the the turf will float like a couple of these other ones. <laughs> You know, I, uh, it, it is beautiful and we're very fortunate and we've tried to use the, um, that field, you know, and, and even this, this summer and this fall, we just, there really wasn't a time when it wasn't being used. And even this spring before all this happened, I mean, we were having baseball and softball practices after track practices, they were getting out on the field for an hour. And that's a big deal, you know, when it's rained all day and uh, a baseball team can go out and run and take infield and throw on a, you know, on an outside, um, playing surface. So we're very fortunate, but I know that when we first, we first, it was installed and we had a heavy rain and I kind of thought, well, I hope it doesn't flood the field. And I went over to the stadium and everything around the stadium is kind of 
you know, piled up with water, but the field was completely dry. So I thought, well, they, they've done, a, they did a good job with, with what they did. That money was well spent. It was, and you know, it, it did cost a lot of money and it was, um, something that, you know, I think some people could say that, you know, wonder why we would do something like that. But to me, it was always about what, what's the best option to give our kids or students, you know, what's the best that we can do for them. And, and we just really felt like it, it was a, a something that could enhance our soccer programs. It could enhance other programs that maybe didn't get the best facilities and maybe didn't get the best um, choices of things. And I think it's done that. And I think now that it's in and most people see the way that we use it, um, they, they kind of understand why we did it. It wasn't to be flashy. It wasn't to be to, to get a shock. It was so that kids have, the best opportunity to participate in a sport or an activity and, and to get to do it most often. Plus, it was really nice when the soccer teams got to play on it. You know, you didn't have to build a new place. You didn't have to hear about why are you playing in the park? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why there's not enough electricity to, you know, run the scoreboard. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it turned out really neat, and, and I love how people just came to things going, all right, well, I want to see how this plays on turf. Not necessarily that yeah. they were a fan of whatever, just we, right. we want to see how this goes. You know, when we looked at, we were, we were what you're alluding to is we, we, we were playing soccer on a, on a field that never, you know, should be played on for high school kids. And it was a struggle. I mean, it was, it was a real struggle. And we just felt like we weren't giving our soccer kids the best you know, the best facility to play on. So when we looked into building a new soccer facility, um, you know, by the time it was finished and even at a, you know, we weren't going extravagant. We're talking, you know, fencing and bleachers and a scoreboard and, you know, irrigation and just some simple things. I mean, you were talking um, not far off from what a turf field would have cost, you know, and, and that doesn't include lights or, some of the other things that we had. So, you know, to, to do it at the cost that we did. And, you know, now we play all of our soccer games at seven o'clock at night and, you know, the kids love playing under the lights and it was just so cool. And like you said, it, it became an attraction for other, other schools. And, um, you know, I felt like soccer played on grass and soccer played on turf is two different things. You oh, know, yeah. it's, uh, the ball's moving and, you know, it, uh, we were able to host two, uh, play, uh, home playoff games and soccer first round games. And I felt like it gave us an advantage because we were used to playing on the fast surface. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it brings all of those things, but it, like I said, it was just, it's just been such an awesome thing. Well, I think you guys did a great job with it. And, and it, it was a lot of fun to watch those girls. And the only, I, I always felt bad about how that, you know, they win when they go to Audeville playing the mud and the water, but, they were. They said those games were even more fun than the the ones on turf. So you never know what players are thinking. No, and kids, you know those environments like district final that night. You know at Ottaville, awful night as far as weather goes. But you know our kids just absolutely loved it. They just felt like it was the neatest thing. And of course, when you win, you feel that way. You know, yeah. and and it was just a cool thing, and for our girls to be able to experience that and. Uh, and to be able to give them a place, you know, at Memorial Field that they felt like was their home field and, and they could be proud of that too. Um, it was it was something that they could be proud of, to, you know, to play on during the season, 
And then, you know, to go off and play at different schools and, and big games like a district final against Kaleida, it, it, I think that's just a neat overall experience. And it also is something that is the importance of, of having high school sports, to have those memories, to create those that, that bond, those friendships, those memories that will last a, last a lifetime. And you go back, speaking of that, kind of looking back at games throughout the years, you put the coaching hat back on, you go back to 2014, everything is sort of building to where from when you got to the program with coaching the football team to now, to this point, you go through 10 weeks, get to the playoffs, you know you got to go back to Crestview, and it's their first ever home playoff game. You guys have a chance to win the first in school history. You have what I've always thought was one of the best teams in school history. It turns out that way, but kind of you start that run and it seemed like you guys must've just gotten off the bus fired up that night. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll try to bring a little context to that game. Um, in 2000 and in, in that season, I mean, 2014, we just started hot from the get go. And I wasn't necessarily prepared for that as a coach. Um, we had started the season playing lipstick and they had been in the playoffs for a lot of years. And, um, and, and we just, I mean, you know, I don't say this like to, to put other teams down, but we just throttled them. I mean, and it was a, kind of a surprise to us coaches. And then the next week we played Ada and it was kind of the same thing. Um, we just got going and we just built this momentum as the season went on. And, and I've, I've agree with you. It was probably one of the best teams I had ever coached and, um, just, I mean, from the standpoint that everything was clicking and everything was, was going well. And we never really had a, a part of the season that we just, you know, we just stalled. I mean, we could maybe look at, you know, the, the Delphus Jefferson game. And well, although I felt like they played was a, a big test yeah. early on though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just, we just rolled. I mean, we just did until we went to Crestview and, and, um, we, in the first game and we actually were rolling, we were up, we were up 14 points. I mean, we should have won the game and, um, they did a nice job of coming back and, and, and winning the game. And I think the crazy thing about that, Mike, is that as we went into the second game, we knew that there were going to be several situations that most fans would not see. Um, and it wouldn't show up on the, it wouldn't show up in the stat sheet, but there were going to be some of the same situations happen and we were going to handle them differently. And that's kind of what we did. Um, there were several fourth downs where um, in the first game we would, we punted or we went for it and didn't get it. And in the second game, we just said, you know what, we're going to just have a hard count. And there was twice where they jumped off sides and we got first down. I mean, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it was, it became a big deal. And, um, you know, that night that we went over there, I, I think that it was, I mean, it was an incredibly tough game. Um, we were, we were pretty solid as far as, you know, just eliminating mistakes and, and not turning the ball over. And, and, and Crestview was a, was a little sloppier that night. Um, there were some penalties that were called um, on them. Um, and so it made the game look a little bit more wide open than what it was. I felt like the game was, was pretty close until maybe mid to late fourth quarter. And it, kind of the, the thing you're talking about, about people maybe not necessarily seeing is Trevor McMichael's banged up, Calvin Wilson's banged up. They both played just kind of on the defensive end. You put Logan Vandermark in the backfield, and 
you're down 7-6. They throw that touchdown in the first five minutes. and it, But it was just kind of – I remember the next drive because they had us sitting calling that game at the 10-yard line on the north side of the field. Yeah. So we kind of yeah. guessed on a handful of things, but I had seen you enough to know what was probably happening. And, you know, Mason had that touchdown on the next drive, and it, and it seemed like, all right, wait a minute, something's going on here. This is not the team that's lost two of their last three coming into this game. Well, we just knew that some things had to change. And, like, even the, you know, the situation with the, um, the players, we shifted Zach Goki and played fullback all season. And we shifted him to halfback that game. We, you're right. We had some guys kind of banged up. And believe it or not, Zach was – he. <laughs> we always kind of laugh at him because now – because he was so banged up that game. I mean, I, I worried about him um, even making it through the game. Um, we had to work on him and work on him and work on him. Um, he had had a deep thigh bruise um, so bad that he had to wear um, – his girdle for football all of basketball season because he was so afraid to get hit in the thigh with a knee or something. But it was so bad that, you know, we would work on him all, all before practices, after practices. So the fact that he went over to halfback and he had a great game and then he ended up spraining his ankle in the, in the game and taped him up and got him back in and he ran for a touchdown. But we, we just had to do things differently. And like I said, it, we, you know, there was a couple play calls that we, we, we knew that in the first game, um, it was pretty predictable, and we're, we were pretty predictable anyway, but it had to be a little different. And, you know, we had our, our quarterback, Mason Hurst, did such a nice job of when we asked him to hand the ball off and fake, he did that, you know, amazingly well and never complained when we needed him to throw the ball, which was not very often, but he did. And, and he did. Yeah, he, but he, but he, but he made, he made team, it made it hurt. And, and that's what he did that night. He, you know, he made it hurt that evening um, with the, you know, some of the passes that he threw, the touchdown pass to Zach in the back corner of the end zone, um, a completion to, to, to Damian Corso over the middle that, you know, kind of solidified, you know, some things. So, you know, we just had some things that we did that night that we needed to do to win the game. I just remember walking out of there that night and, and smiling, obviously being from here, there, however you want to look at it, of what you guys had accomplished, how you had kind of built the program from how – and everybody always talked about how you started, and there was a lot about that. But I just laughed because kind of – I told everybody, just wait. You'll wait and see what happens. And I remember kind of thinking Zach gets 150 yards in that game, and I was impressed because of what you were just talking about. But Logan Vandemark has 10 yards of carry in that game, and there were two instances where it seemed like he got to the second level and it was, no, you're not going to stop me. We're I need five yards. I'm getting 10. <laughs> yeah. Logan, um, you know, he didn't play a ton of fullback for us. I mean, obviously looking at him, uh, he's your prototypical fullback and, you know, big, strong. But I think what – and I think most people that know us well knew was that he was also our best defensive lineman. And when he was on, like when he was, when he was just playing at his best, he was unblockable, but he had, he had a small gas tank and Logan would tell you that. Um, so we had to be careful on how much we could play him at fullback. But when he got going, I mean, he had track speed. I mean, he could run as, you know, he could run with our running backs. Um, 
and you know he was a lethal threat and I think that night in fact we rotated him he didn't play every series at fullback but we rotated him with Keaton Lott who's only a sophomore at the time and um and Logan just like you said there were some times when I mean especially his last run that he had um I think he even had a a, a, a fake punt that we had ran and he got a first down on it I mean he just put it in second gear and it was just fun to see him, you know, after so many years of, you know, playing, playing defense and kind of being our backup on, on offense, have some success on offense and, and enjoy contributing to that win. I realize every year is different. Every team is different, but how much of the, I don't want to say success because I don't want to take anything away from Chris because he's doing a terrific job, but in terms of, the mental ability uh, of the kids getting it, like, let's say, you know, fourth and fifth grade up from that point, how much did that game sort of help? You know, traditionally, I always hear from other people of, you know, ah, Spencerville is great, but they're six and four, and, you know, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to win a big game, whatever. That was always kind of the thing my friends from other schools would say. How much did that game going forward, did you notice sort of open up of, all the kids coming in now are all right. This is this is going to be normal for us. This is what we're going to do from now on. Well, I think what you said right there is just kind of what it did. It just kind of set that expectation. Like, hey, not only can we get in the playoffs because that was a struggle too. I mean, um, we had had a couple seasons um, that honestly might have been two of my better teams I've ever coached in 2011 and um, 2012 we didn't make the playoffs. We were eight and two and didn't make the playoffs. And, and we finally made it in. And not only did we get in, but then, then we won. And I think I was just like, Hey, this is, this is an expectation that we, we can do this. And, um, you know, I think, I think like, even for me looking back and I've said this before, so it's, it's no shock, you know, um, there were a lot of things now looking back, I would have changed. I would have done differently. I, I didn't know. I wouldn't say I didn't know a lot going into coaching at Spencerville, but, you learn a lot. And I think that's important for young coaches to understand is that um, you just sometimes have to kind of learn the culture and, and, the, and the community and the kids. And you kind of just have to make decisions based on what's best for that situation. You don't, you know, you may have a, some things you want to do yourself, but if it doesn't work with the kids you're working with, then it's okay to, you know, it's okay to learn something else. And that was for me, like a huge learning curve was like, you know, don't be afraid to say you're wrong. Don't be afraid to say I, I kind of messed that up. Don't be afraid to to be humble about it. And I think that was something that 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 started to carry us as we went. That we're always going to have this teachable, learnable, hungry spirit in us. We're gonna, although we may make the playoffs two or three years in a row, we're still going to be hungry. We're still going to expect to be there. And, I think even now, you know, I know that, you know, we didn't make it in this past year, but, um, you know, I mean, we were close and, you know, we had made it five years in a row and I'll be honest and I'm not making predictions, but I expect us to be back in the playoffs, you know, again, you know, I just think it's this thing now where it's so ingrained in our kids, it's so ingrained in our coaches and it's so ingrained in our community that it's an expectation now. But isn't it fascinating to think about last year, it isn't a bad year in terms of wins and losses, but now you've set that expectation of we needed to be better. Like that's the, that's the point you've, you've reached like the, the programs you want, 
want or wanted to be. Yeah. I mean, you, you do, you, you, how do I want to say it? Like, you know, our kids had a, had a good season last year, no doubt. And, and I'm sure that there was some disappointment in not achieving that, but, but they know that that's, that's something that they're not satisfied with. Does that make sense? They're, they're not satisfied with it. Our coaches weren't, um, you know, the kids weren't, and that's where I think you have to be. I think no matter kind of what you achieve, you kind of have to have that, that attitude. You know, you could go to the playoffs or you could win the league title and go to the third round of the playoffs and still not be satisfied with it. I think the moment you start to say, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're good where we're at. And, you know, I'm not sure we need to put a lot more time in it because we know we'll, we'll end up at this spot. I think that's, you know, when you start to, 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 you know, digress a little bit. I think when you can continue to get better and you can continue to, to sustain is when you have that attitude of we're not, we're not satisfied. We, we want to keep shooting for new goals and want to keep shooting for new, um, you know, new reachable moments for our kids. And, you know, that's the thing I'm thankful for, for our coaching staff now is you know, that's always been their attitude. They, they want to, they want to continue to get better. They continue, they want to continue to push our kids. And our kids want that too. I, I see that in them quite a bit that they're, they're, they're working really hard, you know, until all this stuff happened with the, the pandemic, you know, they were working incredibly hard and, you know, I expect that, you know, once we get back, they'll do the same, but um, it's, it's fun to be around now. And it's fun for me to, you know, to sit, not sit back, but to be able to kind of be in the, in the front row to, and be able to watch them. Well, I mean, you kind of are that older guy, you know, that shows up now and says, remember when? I helped start. Well, I don't know if I'm that old. Come on now, <laughs> older Come than them. Now. I mean, but it is. It is no, I am, and I love the culture you've created. I, I like I said, I I told people for years that just wait, go talk to the man. You'll want to run through the wall. Well, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, I had a I actually had a situation this past week where um, I had a, a person that. I don't want to say this. We, we, we had a disagreement when I was early in coaching and um, he finally said, let's just, let's talk. And we sat down and we talked and we hit it off. And it was a great, we had a great relationship after that. And it continued on for years. And um, you know, that, that, that person, he actually passed away just uh, not too long ago unexpectedly. And um, his family had asked me to officiate his funeral. And, and it was an honor for me to do that. But I guess the point was, was that I always think like if that conversation would have never taken place, we could have went many years not liking each other. And I just think that's something that's important for people to understand is that if you can just sit down and talk to people or have a conversation or question people, you, you may not love them or you may not get along with them, but I think it, it clears the air and it opens up the avenue for any kind of reconciliation. It opens up the avenue to, to let, you know, old grudges go. It opens up the avenue to, to kind of, to start a new relationship. And, you know, I'm thankful that there's a lot of people here in Spencerville that just didn't give up on me. They just didn't turn their back on me, that they believed in me enough. People like you and, and, and many others that believed in me enough to say, Hey, you know, he may be short and has spiky hair, but he's a good guy. <laughs> give him a chance, you know, give him a chance. And, and, you know, I look back on that, and I'm very grateful for 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 that uh, for that attitude from people. Well, I uh, like I said, I I enjoy I I love getting to see you around town when I'm able to get uh, and do games here, and 
I, I'm proud of everything that you've done, everything you continue to do for the community. Despite, I mean, not being from here, it feels like you're from here. Well, it's it's interesting because my wife and I are both from Elida, both Elida grads. You don't um, have to brag about it. Yeah. Well, you know, we're proud. We still are proud. We're, we're proud of that. But it's interesting because um, my wife, my wife is school counselor at Spencerville. She's actually been at Spencerville longer than I have. But um, when we decided to move our family here um, and live here, it was it was interesting because it, it feels like home to us. And one of the things we talked about even not too long ago was um, when our kids speak of home, they'll speak of Spencerville. You know, that that's their home. And that's, you know, it's our family's home too, but they, they, they only know Spencerville. They only know growing up here. They only know going to school here. So I guess when, 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 even though maybe we're not from here, we feel like it's home and, and we feel like it's the place that we wanted to raise our family and our kids. And so in, in that regard, you know, Brooke and I both feel like it's a place that we can, we can both call home. Well, I can tell you that everyone that I know is super thrilled that you guys are here and, uh, and thankful for everything you've done and continue to do. Thank you. That it means a lot, and um, you know, I just uh, I'm thankful to be able to work with people like yourself, like many others, that make it easy and make it enjoyable and make it worthwhile for kids to promote them, to encourage them, to um, to try to give them the very best. And I always felt like that. Spencerville does the best job that they possibly can to make it the best for our students and our kids and our community. And, um, it's, it is nice to be a part of uh, a community like that. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. Anytime, anytime at all. I've got a lot of time on my hands these <laughs> right. days. So I'll, I'll walk if your, you need, uh, if you, your check down the street. Yeah. If you need a lot of hot air on your podcast, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm full of it. So sure. Whenever, sure, sure. whenever you need me, <laughs> I, I hope to see you at the walk-in closet a lot this winter. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. I'll, I'll take you up on that. Okay. <laughs> That's John Zerby, the athletic director at Spencerville here on the show. Are you ready for an adventure? Experience the Midwest's only drive through safari park located in Port Clinton, Ohio. Go to www.africansafariwildlifepark.com for more information. A huge thanks to Jerry Snodgrass, Abe Escamilla, and John Zerby this week for being on the show. I love next week Gary Raspberry from the Daily Standard, a guy I've known for quite some time. We talk a lot about pro wrestling uh, just from time to time. Old stuff he turns me on to as far as matches I've never seen or territories I've never heard of. He's on for a while next week. We talk about classic St. Henry games, about classic Coldwater games, some things that he has covered in his nearly 30 years of newspaper writing does a terrific job along with our other friend of the show in Colin Foster, the editor of the Daily Standard. And uh, those guys do a great job in their sports coverage. They've got a really neat series that they're working on every Wednesday, kind of a Mount Rushmore that Raz will talk about for each high school. But also uh, one big piece of college news, the uh, – Great Midwest Athletic Conference added Ashland, the former division, to uh, national champs in girls basketball. They'll join in the 21-22 year, and that's a big, big one. And I was talking about IU East earlier on. Cammie McEldowney is uh, transferring over there 
from Urbana. Still leaves a handful of the Urbana girls looking for a home. And uh, if you're a coach who's listening to this, look up Casey Knippen. Trust me, terrific young lady, terrific shooter, and uh, can do big things for your program. That's what I've got for this week. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you come back, tell some friends, raise on iTunes as well, and have a great one, and stay safe. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Around the Hearn. Come back next week for more local stories from the NWO. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Michael Hearn PBP for more great area content.